0: Please.
1: truth seekers, and truth crusaders. You can also submit a direct donation to the cause anytime at funkandstuff.net. At that site, which is loaded with awesome content, you can also purchase the book, Everything's on the One, The First Guide to Funk. Shop for official Truth and & Rhythm and & Funk and & Stuff merchandise, and use the Amazon links for all of your online purchases, which allocates a percentage to this show. Sponsorship opportunities are available as well. Contact me directly at scottg@funkinstuff.net. at funkinstuff.net. For those of you who go the extra step in supporting the show, you have my heartfelt gratitude for allowing us to continue to shine the light on those special artists whose quest is to find truth in rhythm. I'm delighted to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership R&B vocalist and composer Lynn Davis. Since joining the George Duke Band in 1977, she has distinguished herself as a top lead and background singer in studio and on stage for dozens of high-profile recording artists. They include Patrice Russian, Lenny White, Stevie Wonder, Jeffrey Osborne, The Brothers Johnson, Confunction, Shaka Khan, Marvin Gaye, Earth, Wind & Fire, Phyllis Hyman, Aretha Franklin, Sheila E., Luther Vandros, Mick Jagger, Barbra Streisand, Mariah Carey, and Whitney Houston. Whoa, that's quite a itinerary there. So very impressive. Lynn, how are you? Thank you for joining the show.
0: I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you today.
1: Outstanding. So good to see you. And where are you coming to us from today?
0: I'm from Los Angeles, California.
1: And are you from there? Uh, no, I think you're, where are you from originally?
0: I'm originally uh, born and raised in Los Angeles. Okay. My parents were from the South and um, my mom was from New Orleans, my dad, Mississippi, but I was born and raised here.
1: All right, I can dig it. I'm a native too, that's why I'm representing.
0: Hey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where did grew- you go to high school?
0: Santa Monica. <laughs> Get out of here. Okay, I was uh, Narbonne, the Marine League you know, by Redondo Beach and Rolling Hills out there. Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah. For years I worked in Torrance, uh, so very close. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love, I miss the South Bay.
1: Yeah, before I came out here to the Charlotte area, I was in uh, Cobra City and Fox Hills.
0: Ah, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love that area very well.
1: Yeah, so, miss my stomping grounds, but I like it out here too. Okay. So, It's so great to have you been a fan of your Uh vocals for so long, and you've made such a a great variety of fantastic music. So again, thank you for doing this.
0: Thank you. I've been really blessed. Um, I've lived so many of my dreams, you know, that I dreamt as a little girl. So I'm grateful.
1: No doubt. I mean, you had the talent early on. I mean, how old were you when you first realized that you really had a voice?
0: Hi. Bye. My dad was a classical singer, and he was always at the piano with his, his pitch uh, instrument, and um, he sang classically. He was doing a lot of classical stuff, and, and he sight read, and he learned his songs in different languages, and I sat there on the piano stool and learned everywhere in every language. I wanted to sing just like him. Wow. So he was my inspiration originally. Yeah, And then he brought home all the jazz greats, you know, um, Sarah, Dinah Washington, Sam Davis Jr., Duke Ellington. Um, so I had a, I had a really um, incredible indoctrination to music.
1: Sounds like it, for sure, yeah.
0: Of all genres, you know, it, it, was, it was healthy, I think, because it gave me appreciation for down the road when I worked with jazz artists and they, uh, I don't know what you would call Yanni, like classical pop. I don't know, <laughs> but it came in handy
1: so yeah it sounds like you grew up with a lot of great music in the household which is fantastic and uh, it sounds like you were also encouraged from a young age to you know go with your gift
0: oh definitely definitely at home uh, in church at least two to three times a week sang in the choir you know my whole family was very musical
1: did you feel comfortable in front of folks doing that
0: or did you have any stage fright no i was totally um i was very um i was very shy and the first time that i sang in church i sang a song called the holy city and um the only way that i could do it is my grandmother made a curtain and i sang behind the curtain that was the first time that i sang publicly a solo was in church (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't want I didn't want to look at anybody and I didn't want anyone to see me yeah I grew out of it eventually
1: so you um I know got involved with some talent shows and things like that and you know um mm-hmm. when were you first uh, exposed to a band I'm assuming it was before the the George Duke thing uh
0: I participated in the battle of the bands it was a duet, uh, Elaine Norwood and I, we called ourselves uh, the Shades of Love. And it was like the first time in the history of the Battle of the Bands that a vocal group won the entire you know, um, show. And um, then I was in a band in high school called Brian and Things that later um, became the Bus Boys. You know, the boys are back in town. You know, the Eddie Murphy movie, remember that?
1: Yeah, 48 hours. Yeah. Time.
0: So um, my parents were very strict, but they were very lenient uh, when it pertained to music. So um, I get in nightclubs and stuff when I was uh, in high school <laughs> in Anaheim and really talented people, you know, Brian O'Neill, Philip Charles, uh, a lot of people that, you know, went on to pursue their careers in music. And um, from there, I went on to uh, USC. And I think the second year I started getting, you know, I always did auditions, but I finally got that auditioning from George and started doing a lot of studio work and it just blossomed from there
1: what was that audition like I mean um what did it consist of and what was your <laughs> first impression of George Duke
0: Well, I came home and my mom says you have an audition with George Duke and I called my bestie and I said is that the guy that did that song surely you break Surely you break my heart, and she said, "Yeah." And I said, "Oh my God, I love him. I love that song." I have an audition, so she went with me. Uh, there were, you know, a slew of women um, there that particular day, um, auditioning, and um, I felt very confident. I was prepared. This is what I wanted. This was my dream, and um, he was very kind. Um, he knew what he wanted. He, uh, it wasn't a regular auditioning. You know, he threw in a little Brazilian jazz, wanted to see if I could do that, ad-libbing. Um, and it was very intimate. know, it was Byron Miller, Dugu Leon Chancellor, George, and myself, and about 50 other, candidates in the room and i just did my thing
1: yeah when did you find out that you had it
0: well as soon as i sang you know a lot of the other women they they had already auditioned and i guess they were scoping out the competition and i don't know that was never my style i never looked at it as a competition you know and so i auditioned and i Went out of town and went to San Diego. And a few days later, I got called um, to, I believe, the first studio session of a musical um, uh, encounter with George was in the studio. And I believe it was Raul de Souza, My Sweet Lucy's album. And that's when he realized that I was only like. 17, 16 and a half, 17. And he said, You can't go on the tour with me. You can't go on this nightclub tour with me. You're too young. <laughs> and uh, I didn't let him forget me, you know. I stayed in touch. He gave me his phone number and I used it.
1: <laughs> so, how long did you have to wait
0: then? Um, I, it felt like about a year, a year and a half. And I, maybe longer, I think a year and a half to two years. And I was well into college then at USC. And um, I asked my parents, I, he had me come and audition again. And um, I just kind of felt like it was my destiny. I, there was no, I remember not feeling uncomfortable, feeling very at home, comfortable like this, this is it. This is the path. And, um, I did a European first, we went to, um, carnival in, uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. And it was the first time I was ever on a plane. And then we did a European tour.
1: First time on a plane. Wow. That's a whirlwind. You know, you get, yeah. Yeah. It into was the amazing. Whole thing.
0: Yeah. It was pretty amazing.
1: What year was that? What, what year was
0: that Lynn? Uh, 1978 because i graduated from high school in 76 so i was well into almost my my second year of college and so i think it was about 1978 or 79 uh up somewhere between 78
1: and 79 yeah i'm just trying to visualize where george duke was with his album because i know dukey stick that album i forgot i
0: yeah, that was, that was 78.
1: Before.
0: Yeah. So yeah. the first album that I did with him was follow the rainbow.
1: Okay. Yeah. So that's probably 79. Yeah. 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 The orange yeah. cover. Yeah.
0: Yes. 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 yes.
1: Yeah. A great album.
0: Oh man. He had, uh, you know, we were all crazy about, uh, dookie stick and, um, dance
1: reach for it. Dun, yeah. dun,
0: dun, 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 you know, And um, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was, I couldn't, I couldn't have asked for or prayed for a a better introduction to the business. And and, um, when I think back on it now, you know, it was really quite um, foundational in, you know, just how I moved within the business and George, helped me to establish myself, you know, to just by being affiliated with someone so incredibly talented.
1: Yeah, he ended up mentoring so many people in the business. Yeah. Just great people. And yeah, he really um, did I saw the that group around 79, 80 at the Roxy in Hollywood.
0: Oh um, you were there at one of those shows, huh?
1: Yeah. So were you at one of those shows? Were you there? Are then? You
0: kidding? Yes. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. And Stanley would come on stage and blow everybody away because he was so loud and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, it was, I, great. I, I, it was by, great. It was great. It was like r- a family, you know? It's like, come on, Stan. And yeah, those are the days.
1: Yeah, well, it must have been just an incredible grooving to oh, that yeah. band, you know?
0: Were you there the night that George Clinton came up no. on stage and gave George a funk permit. <laughs> no, I
1: think I think uh uh George Duke was uh, at the Roxy I guess twice in that year. He was there in the spring okay. and then in December when George came Clinton was December. I went in the spring. So, mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Darn I missed know. that. They didn't know George was so funky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he came up on stage and gave George a funk commit, like, "Oh, yeah, okay, reach for it, that's funky." Uh
1: huh. <laughs> yeah, I had Byron on the show not too long ago, and it oh. was really cool. Um, loved having him on because so many people still don't realize that he's the one playing
0: on that. You know. Oh, classic! Classic. It was a classic solo. I mean, and and Byron were an integral a very integral part of that sound, that funkiness. They they had George and Dougal and Byron, they had magic. They had magic together, really.
1: And Sheila E too was part of that. Oh yeah,
0: are you kidding? Oh yeah, definitely. Chelsea James, um, Napoleon Murphy. I was just a new kid on the block, blending in, bringing what I had in to the pot, you know, stirring it up a little. (laughs) But it was already already funky. It was, um, you know, uh, I was the new young kid and um, they were a bit more um, seasoned and um, I did a lot of listening and watching and learning. And um, that was fine with me. I, I was happy with that position, you know, and George supported that. And every now and then mm-hmm. I go, am I gonna be able to sing the song? He said, soon, just be patient, soon. And then he was writing for the next record, which was Master of the Game. And um, I went to the studio one day and he said, I want you to sing this. And, that was I want you for myself and it ended up being a single so I was pretty fortunate pretty blessed
1: did you I'm sure at some point you heard it on the radio for the first time yeah I did um it
0: was it was fun it was fun because I was still so young and sometimes we would go you know, out clubbing my friends and I, and and the song would come on, and I would just kind of sit there and go, "Look at everybody, they love it! Oh my gosh!" And I remember uh, a friend of mine named Reggie saying, "What are you doing out here? You got a hit song on the radio. What are you doing up in here in the club?" <laughs> you know, but I didn't, I didn't see it like that. I didn't see it as. And, you know, I have arrived and I, you know, I was
1: just enjoying it. What was the experience like being in the studio, Um, you know, and, and were you intimidated at first or did it feel just like, you know, being on stage or how was it for you?
0: I've never felt intimidated when it came to music. I, I, I just love to sing and I love to be around music and I'm not one to compete, compare. Um, So I, I never experienced any of those type of feelings my entire career, I really didn't. I sang in my room every day, all of my life. So, when all this went down and all happened, I was ready. Mm-hmm. And, and um, if I had been prepared, maybe I would have felt intimidated by the monster talent that was around me. But I felt ready and um, I was happy to be amongst them. And um, even though I came with my own thing, I learned from everyone around me as well.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it was more like it's about time, you know, than being intimidated, you know, <laughs> like you were
0: ready forever. I um, was ready. I was an eager. being. <laughs> you know? And I was young and I, I felt like, you know, Tony Montana, you know, the world is mine. <laughs> I really did. And George made it comfortable. He was, you know, he was a very humble um, monster of a talent, uh, but his humility um, spoke to me. And I tried to um, learn from his example. I mean, no one in the studio had the kind of studio etiquette that, that George had. He, he brought out the best in everybody because he was always so chilled and cool. And oh, why you want to do it again, Lena? You know, it's not going to be better it's just going to be different and if if it feels good why you want to change it you know so i learned a lot from george well i think we all did you know one day he was working on a a movie uh with with eric zobler and i and george were in the studio and he had to leave and go do another project because he was always doing like anita or jeffrey osborne he was denise williams he was always producing other people and um he got up out of his chair. He said, Come on, sit down, finish it. And I was like, You want me to finish the print? He said, Yeah. He said, You got this. You can do it. And he left. And I looked at Eric and I was like, Okay. We're here now. <laughs> his paper saying, To the bank. We were there. We're here now. So, you know, to have someone like George, um, Cultivate that kind of um, confidence in you. Some people, um, I think that's a gift that he was able to do that. You know, uh, artists are very sensitive, and um, I can't remember George ever making me feel uncomfortable. I was Doing a lead vocal or on stage singing or in the studio, you know, never
1: ever. I think it speaks to that the fact that you look at his recording history and so many of the performers, you know, played with him repeatedly through the yeah. years, you know?
0: Yes. His family. Yeah. It really, really was. I mean, Jeffrey loved him. Philip Bailey loved him. I mean, there was, they were, he, these were not just art. We were not just uh, artists that worked with George. We we were we a were family. We loved each other.
1: So, I mean, you got kind of spoiled though, didn't you? I mean, what a start with that band, you know? I mean, they're out. <laughs> you, you could only maybe hope to match it, never surpass it.
0: Well, he set a standard, and I took the standard with me, and I think that's why a lot of people um, did call me for, you know, um, more than once, you know, repeatedly, because I never looked at it as, I don't know if it was a good thing or not. I didn't look at it so much as a business. I was like, this is my gift and I'm sharing it. And I have a responsibility when people call me to give my best and even give my, my parents always said, you know, what makes a person special and excellent is that they always do more than what's required of them. You know, so, you know, I wasn't stingy with my gift and ideas and some people took advantage of that, but mm. you, we didn't really care. We were—we were having too much fun. You—you
1: you mentioned Lynn about those influences and in the music that I was playing when you were growing up. I also wanted to ask you, as far as singers, you know, who were the ones that you really looked up to, and that you think influenced you in your style.
0: Ah, oh. Donnie Hathaway. Aretha Franklin, Stevie Wonder, and the emotions—those mm. are my girls. They taught me how to cry and emote, and the value of emotion and 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 and, and conveying it. You know that it wasn't all about, oh, I can sing. The emotions, you know, they were just the bomb. (laughs) And believe it or not, I loved a lot of the doo-wop groups, you know, Mm -hmm. like the dramatics and the whatnots and the stylistics and, and earth, wind and fire. You know, I knew how to sing all of their licks. I knew the order of songs on their records. And Minnie Riperton, I can't leave out Minnie. She was major for me.
1: And uh, Wanda Hutchinson was on the show. She was just such a delight.
0: Uh, yeah. Love yeah, they're so, they're so genuine and authentic and they're that's who they are, you know? Yeah. So I got was, to sing with Wanda and it was amazing it was amazing, it was amazing, when it was, was scary, was I got to sing with Wanda, you when? know, at her house, like, years ago, mm-hmm. uh, with Wayne and Wanda, and, um, you know, how they have brought other people into the emotions thing, and I, I felt like they were trying to groom me into maybe doing that, and, you know, I freaked out, because I was like, no way, no way, I want you guys to the emotion thing there's only one emotions you know it's like for me there's only one real Supremes you know I'm not a fan of bringing other you know no I mean I felt honored it was great working with her those few days and I learned some of the secrets and you know how they blend and how they phrase things and where they put the voices and who was singing what I was really surprised, you know. And uh, they're just masters, they're masterful. She's well, still they,
1: they, have, they have that sibling connection too. So that mm-hmm. is that something, that has something extra. Yeah. You know?
0: I listen to her and her daughters, and they're they're it's great,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, they're still a bomb. the bomb, and the DNA,
1: got... and the DNA for sure,
0: yeah. And I love Diana Ross. I love Diana Ross and um, Gladys, Gladys Knight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, this younger generation, I always hear women talking about, yeah, I'm a boss. No, nah, there's only one boss, baby. <laughs> and that's Diana Ross. <laughs> and I loved her presentation because she was uh she did everything with class. she was sexy with class, you know she was just she's still a class act. she's the boss, that's the boss, Diana Ross
1: yep, elegant, sophisticated, yes Always.
0: yeah it's timeless, you know
1: <laughs> yeah who what was your uh, I know early on you also worked with uh, twenty nine and lenny white um was that the uh, first kind of thing you did outside of George Duke? Or what was like the first thing you kind of started spreading out from?
0: Uh, Patrice Russian. Okay. I did Patrice and, and, the, and her records and wrote what started writing with Patrice. And we toured. Um, and then along the way, um, I can't remember exactly how. I'm sure it was through George that I met Lenny. Um, white or through Stanley. And uh they called me to do a, a American bandstand. And what was that? The, what was that? Dinah Shore? Was that what that was years ago?
1: She had um, a show.
0: Yeah, right. And I think we did that together. So I did some um performances with them. Um On television never really toured with them or anything like that you know
1: was it a kick to be on tv or you're just like hey I was always ready for this too
0: (laughs) I I loved it I think the first time that I was on well with George we did a lot of the Lou Rawls um remember those um uh, I want to call them marathons those not marathons telethons thank you and um with Lil Rawls, you'll never find. So I mean that was cool, but it was really cool when I did um American Bandstand. I think it was with, I think it was with Lane White. And I really realized for the first time, like, whoa, when I went backstage and Jody Watley, Shalimar was on the show as well. And I was like, oh, I'm, on a show, I'm in the dressing room with Jody Walkley and Shalomar getting my makeup and hair done. You know.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I, I never got big-headed or I was, I'm, that's not me.
1: Oh, unless I made your hair big that day, but.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like big hair, <laughs> but <laughs> I do have a big head, but not literally, but not figuratively speaking, no.
1: What, what was Patrice like? Um, then I mean she was still pretty young then but she had hit it at such a young age
0: listen Mm -hmm. Matrice's mom and dad lived in the same neighborhood as my parents Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize that until I met her and I used to do a lot of running you know that was my exercise of choice and my friend Ron Brown and I would run and And then we brought Patrice into the running and Freddie Washington moved out and was staying with Patrice in her parents' house. Um, And we just all became family. Then we started working together in the studio and Sherry Brown and uh, Roy Galloway, those vocals were so sweet sometimes. Patrice and I would just start laughing in the middle of a tape. going, dang, you know, that feels so good. That sounds good. You know, yeah, it was beautiful. And we were all so young and so supportive of each other and encouraging. It felt like that's what um, it should have always, you know, it should always be that. I think the music industry, these kids that are doing what they're doing now, uh, yeah yeah, know. They miss, they miss so much. They don't even know it. They're especially, so worried about making money and being famous that,
1: you know. Especially the last couple of years when it's so hard to even get together in person, you know, and things are happening remotely, it's even more removed from that.
0: Yeah, it is talent, challenging. And for us, it's, you know, coming from the old school, it's a whole new world, you know, streaming and, I'm like, how do the kids make any money? You no know, selling the records, you know, it's a whole new world. And I'm still learning a lot. Even though I have an LP coming out very soon, I have to learn it so that I know how to uh, move in this new world, you know?
1: Oh yeah. Well, we'll definitely promote what you have coming up before we part ways here, um, okay. for sure. Uh, but I see that, with Patrice, you were on Pizzazz, which was one of her biggest albums. Um, do you remember, was there a hit of hers that you had your vocals on or with Patrice? Um, yeah. <laughs> which, which hits that people would know?
0: Well, listen, they were all like hits to me because I love Patrice and I love the songs that we wrote together. Um, uh, some of my favorites, of course, everybody loved uh, Haven't You Heard. And um, I I really loved, um, some of my favorites were uh, Settle for My Love. Um, we wrote This Is All I Really Know, which is really on the spiritual spectrum, you know. And, um, but it was still very soulful. I think everything Patrice did was um, magical. And there was something very magical between Freddie Washington and her and the whole writing thing, you know? And Sherry Brown and myself, you know? Everybody had their little pocket of magic together, you know? And synergy was there. So um, I sing on all of those, most of those songs. I remember George saying, your sound is all along, Patrice's stuff. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, really? you know, I never, I never looked at it that way.
1: But he was good with that, right? He was Saying that's a good thing that, hey, I want to keep that, right?
0: George, yeah, I mean, he wasn't, I think he was informing um, me of something that I wasn't aware of then, you know, and I became a lot more aware of the importance of your signature, your sound um but I worked a lot and I did a lot of things because of that um so I, I think that you know it was a double-edged sword that he was saying girl you know your sound well, you know and also wow you know your sound is out there now you and Patrice and you're all on her stuff, you're all on my stuff. And I worked with George for a couple of decades on all of his projects, so.
1: Lynn, do you get more fulfillment from doing a lead part or a background part or it just depends or what?
0: Equally. I, I love singing background. I, I think there's an artist singing background, and I'm big on the blend, and you know, sounding like one voice as opposed to, you know, um, as a group, one voice as opposed to being a solo artist. Like a lot of people really wanted to, I want to do my own thing and da da da, and I wanted to do it, but maybe not for. reasons that most wanted to do it and then when i saw what the lifestyle would really be as a single artist um not to speak of the many um obstacles (laughs) challenges involved um when you're that young and you're a woman and a couple of me too situations and um you know, just uh, certain things that just come along with being in any business. Um, I, I wasn't too particular about, I, I didn't miss like not doing records and going out on the road. I mean, I think I missed a little bit of like doing a, a solo record, you know? But um, I started working on doing that um, with my brother love him, such a talented uh, man, Dennis McCoskey and Matthew Wilder. And I think by the time that we were working together, you know, so I had experienced so much in the business that really didn't sit well with me. You know, I I would, my whole heart wasn't into it. Mm -hmm. But we're getting ready to release those songs. And let me tell you, a really good production a really good song is forever. Thank you, Definitely. Ray Parker. Yeah, Ray Parker told me that. The importance mm. of, you know, a solid song.
1: Well, in talking about that, I mean, how did you develop your composition skills?
0: I paid attention. You know, like, um, Ray P would, I was so young, you know, so around Ray Parker and all around those guys, you know, and George and, and I saw how Ray created his songs. I, he talked about the concept of, you know, what makes this song special? The um, simplicity is beauty and a hook that you know, the average housewife would want to sing along to and a story. And I was around people like uh, Patrice and George and Ray, and that were just incredible songwriters as well as producers and artists. And I paid attention, and I already had it in me. And um, to have someone like Patrice say, Hey, I want you to write this with me. You know, when you expect something from someone um, without them having to ask, and it's already in them, you you are saying to them, you know, yes, I see it in you, and let's do this, and you can do this. That's that's so powerful, you know. So. Um, I'm grateful that I worked with a lot of uh, very talented heavyweight people who are very secure within themselves and didn't mind, you know, extending a hand.
1: You know, you've worked with so many great acts, but I highlighted a few that I want to throw out there just so you could just share some thoughts or memories related to those particular people, if you would, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, Confunction, Spirit of Love album. Do you have any memories of working with Yeah.
0: Oh, Felton Pilot is a sweetheart. Yeah, love Felton. That's what I remember about Confunction Felton. He was so gracious and another great songwriter. You know, I remember him coming to my mom and dad's house and helping me. I was uh, in college, still taking courses, and I was writing out music for the first time and felt and sat on my mom's piano and helped me understand what that was. And, and I learned a lot from him about writing songs as well. It's a great experience.
1: And uh, Brothers Johnson, winners?
0: Oh, man. Louis Thunder Thumbs. Amazing, sweet guy. Um, That's what I, I, when I think of the Brothers Johnson, I just remember Louis Johnson. Not just because he was so incredible, but he was so humble and sweet and funky. Mm. (laughs) Okay, who else?
1: Lewis Johnson, yeah, Brothers Johnson, uh, incredible bass player, such a loss, far too young with him.
0: I know. I know.
1: And Jeffrey Osborne.
0: Love Jeffrey. Um, It was one of those magical blends, like our voices work together, and uh, really such a kind, um giving human being. I I really enjoy working and so down to earth and easy to work with. Him. Yeah.
1: He's one of my all-time favorite male vocalists. Oh I think God. he's overlooked I think by some when that discussion is happening, but he's incredible.
0: Right? It was hard him behind Jeffrey because I'd be on stage listening so much, I'd be like, well you better sing. <laughs> <laughs> He was just, he has such an incredible instrument, you know?
1: Yeah. I was mad when some guys, you know, left their groups to go solo, but not so much with him.
0: <laughs> He's no, just so good. No. It, that was meant, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, Howard, hughes was one of my other favorite singers like that. Yeah. Like, ah, I love Howie. Good God Almighty. I mean, he can caress a song and knows how to interpret a song and sounds so sweet and soulful and sexy. That's my brother. Ingram, that- they're just bad. I mean, sometimes I'm in the studio with Philip and I just want to like side to head, like, boy, no, you didn't just do that.
1: <laughs> i like to be a fly on the wall to see that happen. Oh, my
0: God. And to stand there and be singing next to like Philip Perry and, you know, in between takes, he's just like glowing just because it's just in him to do it. He's not showing off or nothing like that. That's just Phil. Just loves to sing. And we love to hear Phil sing.
1: (laughs) And, of course, another favorite singer, Stevie Wonder, um, you have a credit for the Woman in Red soundtrack. (laughs) Yes. So.
0: That on tour while I was touring with him, the Hotter in July tour, we'd go off stage, get on a bus, go to the studio, sleep on the couches and chairs. <laughs> when studio Stevie would be ready to work, we work, we get back on the bus, and we go to the next venue and we do a three-hour show. <laughs> Steve was amazing. He was amazing. I used to go, how can you? And his voice was perfect every night i never not i never not know known him to be 100 and i asked him one day i said why do you because i know the kind of chops that we all know the kind of chops steve has. Yes. and uh, i said why do you sing certain songs the same way every night he said because it's harder to sing it's a song the same way every night than it is to to interpret it differently isn't that, you, I, you know, think about that. Hmm. Cause if you're not, ha- if you're not, if you're a little bit tired or whatever, and you still can execute like you execute on a regular basis, he's a master. And he's full surprises, like making me scat one night, Lynn. Yes, Steve, scat. I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dad. Thank you for Sarah and Ella, and I, you know, <laughs> see how important it is, you know, that you are exposed to music, not just one genre.
1: I'm just Rolling through my head, what that might have been was it? Do I do or what? What might you have been asked to say? Um,
0: was it that? I think it was. Do I do? I think it was. Do I? What was it? Uh, yeah, yes, he, I think it was. I yeah. think it very good. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. And so I'm right there on stage in front of thousands of people. What am What am I gonna say? I, I went in <laughs> that was probably one of those times where I felt a little frightened you know but it was a good frightened. it was like oh, you better say <laughs>
1: adrenaline was was flowing like right. a volcano
0: you, 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 be, you bet you better not mess this up
1: <laughs> did he like ever say good job or nice job or any feedback like that or
0: well, this how Stevie said, good job. Yeah. If, if his head is moving, he's smiling, you good. You good. You know, it was enough that he asked me to sing with him. So I didn't need his constant. That was that was validation, you know, from God that Stevie Wonder asked me to sing with him. Are you kidding me? didn't have to say anything else ever. And I sang a duet with him as well. Come on. Doesn't take much for me to be grateful. Did
1: did you have any crossover on the tour with Marva
0: King? Marva, I've sung with Marva in the studio, but not on tour with Stevie. It was uh, Wendy Barnes, Alex Brown, Suse Green and I. So we came after the great Shirley Brewer and Denise Williams, that whole, you know, Michelson Bello, oh my God. Wonder my Love. Yeah. yeah. To me, that's like, oof, classic Wonder Love, you know? And um, I did one tour with him and then I just moved on.
1: There's much more to this great Truth and Rhythm interview. Just continue on to the next part of the episode. Also, be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends and become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at FunkinStuff.net. Thank you very much.